Wrestling Contest is scheduled for one fall. Please welcome Mr. Freds. What is the one quality that you possess that makes you think that you can walk out here and come into the ring and face the very best in the business? Ruthless aggression. What is going on, peeps? Welcome to episode 95 of the Fretzelmania podcast. I am Mr. Fretz, and before I get into the rigors of this week's show, that is SmackDown from November 28th. 2002, you know I like to go on and see what else is going on in the world of wrestling this week, but I'm going to give a quick cheap plug to Survivor Series War Games this past week. It was a phenomenal show, fantastic storytelling with Sami Zayn and the Bloodline and Kevin Owens, the Brawling Brutes, Drew McIntyre, namely the saga between Owens and Zayn. That's going to go somewhere special. I absolutely love the storytelling that's going on there the rest of the show was very good you know we had a decent women's war games match even had a couple of little botchy spots but they managed to, to to pick that one up aj styles versus finn balor was spectacular uh shotzi versus Ron, ronda rousey was awful i'm gonna be straight up with y'all there it was it was not good and then the men's war games match. I mean, it wasn't as spotty and as action packed, maybe, as the other one earlier in the night, but it was all about the story. And I am here for it. You know, we're going to get Kevin Owens versus Roman at the Rumble, allegedly. And then <clears throat> Elimination Chamber is in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, hometown of Sami Zayn. Home province of kevin owens and you know they're gonna just pull out all the stops and probably make us all cry <laughs> during that match but my goodness we are coming off of survivor series 2002 in the ruthless aggression land and we're on our way to armageddon 02 and i'm hopefully going to be dropping that episode just before christmas and i'm going to have a special guest on there I think uh, you're just going to have to wait and see. But on Monday Night Raw, a few nights before this, on November 25th, 2002, in North Charleston, South Carolina, that is a confusing, confusing name there. We had Chris Jericho and Christian retaining the Raw Tag Team Championship against... The Dudley Boys. Test defeated Stephen Richards. Christopher Nowinski and Maven, the two runner-ups of Tough Enough, ended in a no contest. Wait, Nowinski was a runner-up? Yeah, Maven won. I think Nowinski was the runner-up, but he is the one now who is a lot more notable 
at least in the sports world. We had Victoria defeating Trish Stratus in a rematch from Survivor Series to retain the women's title. Lance Storm and Regal defeated the team of Jeff Hardy and the Hurricane. Batista defeated Kane in a match that we will see at Armageddon, spoiler alert. Goldust defeated Rico and in the main event. Rob Van Dam defeated World Heavyweight Champion Shawn Michaels by disqualification. Shawn Michaels still retains his title, and I do believe this is where Triple H would return following his horrific injury at the Survivor Series in the Elimination Chamber match early on, crushing his larynx after a five-star frog splash by Rob Van Dam. That was just awful, awful to look back on. NWA TNA pay-per-view number 22 from the Fairgrounds Coliseum in Nashville, drawing 1,100 people, 100 more than last week. In the dark matches, we had Ron and Don Harris defeating Derek King and Flex. Don't know who any of those are. Alan Funk defeated Rick Santel. I believe Alan Funk was Kwiwi in late area WCW. Adam Windsor and... Am I reading this right? Dory Funk Jr. beat Blackout whoever that is. Dory Funk Jr. having a match in 2002 is kind of staggering, if I can be completely honest with you. He would have been at least in his 70s by this point. I think he's long since passed away. I'm likely mistaken. Someone can correct me on that. Divine Storm defeated the Briscoe Brothers in the opening contest when Storm pinned Jay. The Naturals, Chase Stevens and Cassidy O'Reilly, beat the Harris Twins. No, I'm sorry, good lord. <clears throat> America's Most Wanted by Countout. Tag Team Champions of the Disciples of the New Church beat B.G. James and Kurt Henning via disqualification. Easy Money beat Alex Winters. Sonny Siaki pinned the Crimson Dragon. X-Division champion Jerry Lynn successfully retained his title against AJ Styles. And in the main event, in a rematch from a previous week, new NWA champion Jeff Jarrett beat Ron Killings. And finally, on the favorite show of the R.A. Era podcast and Apron Bump, respectively, we had Velocity, or Billocity, because we had Bill DeMott and Albert, this big, beefy boy, meaty men, slapping meat tag team, beating enhancement talents Chuck Coat and Pat Cusick. Who are they? I don't know. Rikishi defeated Red Dog, and this is a name that we are going to know come the next few months. Red Dog is the future Rodney Mack, who we will see on Monday Night Raw not long from now. John Cena defeated Danny Danucci, probably no relation to 
Dominic DiNucci, but I did not even bother to look that up. And in the main event of Velocity, we had Crash Holly beating Funaki. And I'm looking ahead to next week, December 7th, 2002. We have a Velocity debut of one of my favorite underrated cruiserweight wrestlers from the Ruthless Aggression era. If you know me, you already know who it is, but we'll just have to wait until we get there. The Carolina Center in Columbia, South Carolina, is hosting SmackDown. Tonight, it is a Thanksgiving special, so you just know there's going to be girls in a, gra- in a gravy pool having a food fight or throwing turkeys or having a turkey on a pole match or a gobbledygooker appearance or some crap like that. Michael Cole says that Taz is at home dealing with a family emergency, so we have a new commentator here on SmackDown, and that is the man who has been calling Velocity for the past several months, Ernest the Cat Miller. Somebody call his mama, because he is on TV. Stephanie McMahon opens the show talking about Brock Lesnar, who last week twice defied her orders to not get involved with the big show and Paul Heyman and not risk further injury to his busted ribs. She then starts to explain what she's going to do to Brock Lesnar, who then comes to the ring and says, you know, you were barking orders at me last week, so I might as well just come out here and have you say what you need to say to my face which I give him credit for. Stephen McMahon then backs away all the way up the ramp and security comes in between them. And I look at one of those security guards and I'm like, that is Kenny Bolin. If you don't know who Kenny Bolin is, just look up some early OVW. And I'm talking early OVW, like John Cena, Leviathan, Rico, Randy Orton. Kenny Boland was a heel manager in there who was a big, heavyset guy, very loud. He was kind of like a rich, preppy kid or something like that. I just remember that name from scouring the discussion forums on uh, WrestlingGameZone.com during this time. <laughs> Shout out to WGZ. Kind of bummed that they're not, not a thing anymore. Stephanie then suspends Brock Lesnar. She says that, you know, Paul Heyman and the Big Show didn't screw Brock Lesnar. Oh, please God, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. Brock Lesnar screwed Brock Lesnar. Oi, we get it, Stephanie. Bret Hart exists. Oi. And then Brock Lesnar is escorted back to his truck in the parking lot and one of the security guards is just like, I'm sorry, Brock, you know, we're just doing our job. Puts his hand on his arms. Like, if you touch me again, I'm going to take that nightstick and use it as a thermometer. But, um, which end is your thermometer going to go in, Brock? I do not want to know. I ain't one to kick shame to each their own. But, uh, just leave that to the imagination. And since you're leaving it to my imagination, it is going to be utterly filthy. 
Edge and Rey Mysterio kick off the night, tagging up against John Cena and Matt Hardy, version one. This week, this week's Matt facts are Matt has been to Plymouth Rock and Matt thinks that Thanksgiving is a boring holiday. John Cena is, of course, accompanied by the newly debuted and freshly minted and renamed B-Squared, the former Bull Buchanan. Cole calls Bull a stranger. Bro, you were calling his matches like a year and a half ago. Like, seriously, do you have that bad of a short-term memory? I do. What was I talking about? I don't know. V1 is making fun of Ray's height, and I feel attacked because I am also... Five foot four. Cat then calls John Cena vanilla ice. We get it. We know. Stop, collaborate, and listen. Edge lands a neckbreaker and a flapjack on John Cena. John Cena will remember this. Matt Hardy with a side effect on Edge, and I bet there is no side effect in that relationship. None whatsoever. Cat talks about his dancing shoes and that he's going to get to break them out a little later in the show because he is going to be the master of ceremonies for the Pilgrim Fashion Show. Oh boy, that is not problematic. Not problematic at all. Matt prevents a hot tag and then doesn't, allowing Ray to get back into the ring, landing the wheelbarrow bulldog on V1. Cena is in position for a Bronco Buster, but eats a basement dropkick instead. And then Ray drop toe holds Matt Hardy right into John Cena's balls. We then see the former SmackDown Tag Team Champions land a Sidewinder, a Sidewalk Slam leg drop, a la Smoking Guns, but it is denied. A 619 is denied by B-Squared, who is then jumped by Edge. Ray lands the 619 on V1. But then Cena boots Ray off of the rope when he goes for the West Coast pop. Edge with a spear onto Cena who lands on the outside of the ring. Edge dives off of the ropes onto Cena and B-squared. A Hurn Kanwana is reversed into a powerbomb by V1 who uses the ropes for leverage and the heels win this match. This was a fantastic opening tag team match featuring four of the... You know, biggest stars to be on SmackDown. Yeah, V1 wouldn't be a main eventer, but he would be a staple in the Cruiserweight division. He'd be winning the title not very long from now, and I can't wait until we get there where V1's trying his hardest to cut weight by doing all this cardio, by eating right, and just doing some fantastic heel comedy work. Backstage, Stephanie McMahon is very upset over having to make a difficult decision earlier in the night. And Kurt Angle stops her. He's like, hey, are you okay, Steph? No, I'm not okay. I'm mad at Columbia. I'm mad at this town. And Angle feels her pain, saying, yeah, they always chant, you suck at me. And then Stephanie just stops and says, It's not always about you, Kurt. Stephanie then blames her mood on her friend, in parentheses, her monthly visitor, her Aunt Flo, 
Kurt Angle so adorably oblivious to all this. Like, oh, you have an app flow that visits monthly? That's awesome. Oh, honey. No, no, Kurt. I had PMS. You know what that means, right? And I swear to everything holy, if he mentioned, yeah, the pretty mean sisters, Ryan Shamrock, Terry Reynolds, and Jackie. They were awesome. I swear to God, I would have marked the hell out if he said that. But alas, uh, he does not. And then Stephanie walks away and Kurt Angle's like, what does PMS have to do with her aunt? Oh, honey. Oh, oh, Kurt. Kurt, buddy. No. Our next match is Chuck Palumbo versus Tajiri. And Brock Lesnar is spotted in the parking lot of the Columbia Center. So remember this little rabbit trail for later in the show. And then in that same parking lot, we see a limo pull up and it's Scott Steiner. Holler if you hear me. And this is a match here between Chuck and Tajir that we have been seeing on Velocity a few times in recent weeks. Palumbo is uh, no longer dyeing his hair. He has no Billy Gunn. Rico's turned his back on, on them, you know, at the commitment ceremony. Billy Gunn is nowhere to be found. I think he is either taking time off or nursing a bunch of nagging injuries. But yeah, we see Palumbo here just being himself. We're not quite at at Biker Palumbo. This is just basically WCW Power Plant Palumbo just without the long hair. That makes me sad because we're not going to be hearing you look so good to me on SmackDown until like 2004. And <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be still doing SmackDown by that point. I may have switched over to the red brand. I may have switched over to a different wrestling company or started doing more modern reviews. But that's a conversation for a different time. We see the handspring elbow was reversed into a suplex by the big man. A discus punch by Palumbo. Very nice spot here. Tajiri manages to lock the tarantula on the big man. We see a kick is reversed into a leg sweep. A padlock, or if your name is Colt Cabana, the Billy Goat's curse is locked on by Chuck Palumbo. But Tajiri gets out of it. And in this spot that either looked intentional, unintentional, or just a miscommunication or a botch, Tajiri is on the top rope and referee Jimmy Corderas, shout out Jimmy, is in between them kind of admonishing Tajiri to either get off the rope or do something. He jumps off for a top rope something, is caught by Palumbo, and then Tajiri sprays the green mist in the big man's eyes eats the buzzsaw kick, and Yoshihiro Tajiri wins this match. Backstage, once again, Stephanie McMahon is in her office. She is anticipating the arrival of her special guest this week, the big bad booty daddy, Scott Steiner. But of all people to knock on her door is Columbia's own The Fabulous Moolah, here to plug her book in her hometown. And Seth McMahon begins to diss Columbia. Does you know something my father always said? If the world ever needed an enema, Mula cuts her off right there and says, please do not talk about my hometown like that. There are a bunch of lovely people here. And tonight, Stephanie McMahon 
decides tonight that we're going to make history. And you're going to compete in a match tonight. You, the woman who was women's champion for 25 years. We're going to put you in a match tonight in your hometown. She says she's always ready for a fight. And her opponent will be named later in the show. I did have a lot of remarks here about Fabulous Moolah and her past and her allegations. But I'm not going to go there with her. Uh, Mostly because she's dead. She is not around to defend herself. And as heinous as these allegations are, I... I don't cancel people, right? I'm not that kind of guy. This might ruffle a few feathers. This might legitimately piss a few people off, but I really don't care. Like, I just loathe this whole thing that this person did this something a long time ago. Therefore, I hate them. And if you don't hate them, you're a bad person. I don't I don't swing that way. I think what she did was absolutely heinous, but I'm not going to go ahead and cancel them or discount their legacy as heinous and as awful as as that is. And yeah, if if you don't like that, I'm sorry. I mean, I don't take part in this cancel culture thing. It's, yeah, sorry. Backstage, Mark Lloyd shakes down an alleged scalper who's accused of selling Brock Lesnar a ticket to the show tonight. He says, no, man, that's illegal. I don't scalp. Scalping's terrible. And he runs away as if he was guilty. Brock Lesnar, I mean, I'm sorry, the Big Show and Paul Heyman have a chat backstage and V1 bumps into them saying things like, justice is served, Brock is suspended because of me. Paul Heyman's like, yeah, we, we know, right? And it goes on from there. Uh, backstage, uh, real-life couple at the time, Tori Wilson and Billy Kidman chat about the Pilgrim Fashion Show. And Billy Kidman calls her Pocahontas as she is dressed up like uh, a native. Pocahontas. Real smooth, Billy. Real smooth. Actually, that's... Not gonna lie, that's pretty freaking clever. That's that's a great line. <laughs> no wonder she said yes. <laughs> Speaking of that... We have a Pilgrim Fashion Show on American Thanksgiving, hosted by Ernest the Cat Miller, using his awesome WCW theme, dancing in his red shoes. We then see a whole table full of food, the punch bowl, turkey, pies, gravy. Yeah, we we know what's going to happen here. We then see... Tori Wilson dressed up as cultural appropriation. We see Don Marie dressed up as cultural appropriation number two. And then Al Wilson dressed as a turkey. And in these kind of spots, these kind of fashion shows and bikini contests is exactly (laughs) at the time where my late father would walk in the room and then actually sit down and watch some of it oh i miss you pops (laughs) yeah this is dumb it's borderline problematic and the turkey is not the gobbledygooker is uh another issue that i take from this al wilson takes off his hood he's then trying to use this 
as a way to reach his daughter, as a way to try and make things right with Tori. But Ernest the Cat calls him a drive turkey, tells him to get out of here and uh, yeah, to get out of the way of what we're really here to see, the girls. Then we see a food fight. And that's it. Next. Thank God this is next. The tag team championships are on the line as Los Guerreros defend the titles against the former champions, the inaugural SmackDown tag team champions, Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit. Good friends, better frenemies. We then see a plug for Armageddon, which is brought to you by Lugs for your feet, coming soon on your podcast feed. There is yet another Eddie Mows My Lawn sign. We get it. Insert stereotype here. Mowing lawn. Move on. And think of a new joke. I mean, that is getting... That's getting old at this point in time. They've been doing those signs for years. And I know they really lean into the Mexican lawn mowing stereotype with the fucking Mexicals in like five years time. But... (sighs) Yikes. Thankfully, this match is an absolute banger featuring four of the very best workers in the business at the time. Kurt Angle is giving Chris a sarcastic pat on the back, pat on the butt, and some sarcastic applause. A very, very small but very audible homophobic chant is directed towards Kurt Angle as as a result. Then we just see an absolute masterclass of wrestling featuring these four legends. Well, three legends and one murderer. Whatever. The Guerreros have dreamed about being tag team champions since they were kids. Despite being uncle and nephew, there was only about five or so years apart from them due to the fact that, well, the Guerreros are a huge family and Eddie's oldest brother is far, far older than he is. We then see a game of one-upsmanship with Angle and Benoit. Anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. No, you can't. Cat admits to admits to watching SmackDown twice a week because he likes Taz. Cole then makes a joke about both of them being bald, and we begin to see dissension, smellness between Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit. The Guerreros begin just walking out of the match while Benoit and Angle argue, unbeknownst to Mike Kyoto, who then finally catches wind of the champs being almost to the locker room, then tells Tony Chimble that this match will continue. This is not ending in a countout. Mike Kyoto ain't having any of your BS. Cut to commercial break and the match is restarted. We then hear some... Loud Eddie sucks chance while Chris Benoit is being worked over by the Guerreros. A very small we want angle chant is started here. So are we trying to turn Kurt Angle babyface or have we not seen Kurt Angle for a majority of this match? And we want to see him take people to Suplex City. I think it's a little bit of both. Eddie tries to do, no, succeeds to do a tope into the ring. Benoit lands the Spagingo. Ding! Back body drop. Benoit then snap suplexes Eddie into Chavo and gets the hot tag to Kurt Angle, who goes to Suplex City. The, the German suplex, 
belly to belly, Bimmy to Jimmy, you name it, he gets them all in. Air Canada by Chris Benoit is denied. Chavo lands a flying form a la Tito Santana. Kurt Angle suplexes Eddie. Eddie hits the low blow, goes for the frog splash, but misses. Olympic slam for both champions and the crossface to Eddie. And an ankle lock onto Chavo, but who's legal here? Both wrestlers both have submission holds on both champions, but the referee yet again is not having any of these shenanigans. Chavo is feeling froggy and lands a frog splash of his own that Benoit kicks out of. Eddie goes to the top, but Kurt Angle bursts in like a wrecking ball out of nowhere with that running arm drag spot from the ropes that he always used to do, which was so, so damn impressive. But behind all this chaos and amongst all this schmoz, Chavo with the belt shot to Benoit and Los Guerreros retain the Tag Team Championships. Backstage, Jamie and Nidia are having a chat you know, about last week, about you know just trying to make things right, and then run into Scott Steiner. And Jamie's like, hi, my name is Jamie Noble. And I'm thinking like, dude, you two worked in WCW for almost two years. You know who Scott Steiner is. Although he might not know who you are, that introduction was almost unnecessary. But then, Jamie, not Jamie, Scott, I'm sorry, looks at Nydia. Looks at her again. Does the elevator eyes. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. Then slaps Nydia right in the butt, very, very loud and very hard. And Nydia's wearing this shirt and it reminded me that this was actually a thing. It was a white t-shirt, and it said, you should see this wet. Oh boy, this is around the time that WWE paired up with, and I can't believe I'm saying this, Girls Gone Wild. And they did a co-branded pay-per-view, I think around this time or sometime in 2003. I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't even know it existed until, of all people... And of course of people, OSW Review. Shout out J-Hunter V1 and OOC. Literally did a review of this. And it's on Vimeo because YouTube, boobs. Um, no. I couldn't stomach even the review for it because it's just so ick. It's kind of gross. It's kind of exploitative. But yeah, of all people to have a co-branded thing with was them. And Nydia was a part of it. We then see two animated turkeys behind a commentary desk for reasons. Leading into Jamie Noble calling out Scott Steiner. Scott Steiner comes into the ring here. Steiner line push-ups, press slams, suplexes, and then talks about, you know, what show I'm going to be on. Is it going to be Raw or SmackDown? Well, on Raw, Chris Jericho found out. And tonight, this redneck found out. And, you know, I'm not sitting at home drinking beer, eating potato chips, and wasting away. I don't know if that was a veiled shot at Steve Austin or not, who, lest we forget, a few months before this, uh, took his ball and went home. But I'm not really sure if that was a shot or not. And, and until I make my decision, he says, 
I'm going to be doing only two things. Flexing my peeps and pleasing my freaks. And when they scream, boom shakalaka, that's when they call me the daddy, the big bad booty daddy, so... When they climax, they shoot, they shout, boom shakalaka. Oh, I get it. Scott Steiner takes his freaks backstage and plays NBA Jam, of course. How wholesome and how sweet of Scott Steiner to introduce these lovely ladies to one of the best basketball video games of all time. Stephanie McMahon's on the phone and she says that she wants Scott Steiner on SmackDown and will do anything to do so. Paul Heyman then walks in and is like, dude, what do you want? Uh, suspending Brock Lesnar was saying that it had nothing to do with Paul Heyman threatening to sue her. It was more for protection. And Paul Heyman then blabs on about something and says that the big show wants to defend the WWE title tonight. And Stephanie Mann's like, okay, you got a match. It's against someone of championship status. But, 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 but Brock Lesnar isn't. No, get out. Get out, Paul. Now, get out. Yeah, we all know what's coming, right? Billy Kibben versus Crash for the Cruiserweight title. That's what's coming up next. Crash Harley recently deflected from Monday Night Raw to spend time with his cousin Bob, who is on the shelf with a neckbreaker. I think I said this months ago, but there was a match on Raw between Jeff Hardy and Crash Holly, where Eric Bischoff caught wind of someone from Raw wanting to leave Raw to go spend time with their family on SmackDown. And then Three Minute Warning beat the shit out of Jeff, but Crash Harley is like, no, Eric, um, it's actually me. I'm going to SmackDown. Because uh, lest we forget, uh, Crash Holly is the kayfabe cousin of Bob Holly, former tag team champions who at one point were a combined weight of allegedly 800 pounds. That is one hell of a miraculous weight loss journey there. Uh, I should take notes from the Holly cousins. We then saw a pretty decent five or so minute match between these two workers. An Ushiguroshi by Billy Kidman. A crossbody by Billy is reversed and rolled through by Crash Holly for a near fall. A reverse BK bomb slash glam slam slash jaded by Crash Holly. The Crash Course, the Stratisfaction, the Tornado Bulldog by Crash Holly lands a two count, but then the BK Bomber and the Shooting Star Press allows Billy to retain his championship. We then see the Fabulous Moolah backstage walking to the ring. And then the next camera shot is the Big Show walking to the ring. Are we getting 79-year-old Fabulous Moolah against the undisputed champion, The Big Show? Yes, we are. Now, Moolah, hometown girl from Colombia, spent her entire life there, is a legend. As I said earlier, despite the utter heinousness of her actions, I do not cancel people based on their actions, especially if they're dead. And I'm looking at this thinking, just two years ago, 
Fabulous Moolah admonished Bully Bully Ray, Bubba Ray Dudley, before putting her through a table with that super bomb off the stage, saying that if you go easy on me, if you don't put me through here as hard as you can, I'm going to kick your ass. And Bubba's like, yep, yes, ma'am. Yep, yep. Because uh, Fabulous Moolah could kick the big show's ass. Fabulous Moolah was tougher than a large chunk of the guys. She even wrestled some of the guys. If this was a different era, heck, they'd put her in, in, in intergender wrestling. Lover or hater? Legend. And Paul Heyman gets to the, the mic here. Hey, Mula, relax. You have nothing to be scared of. Big Show's not going to do anything to you. you know, the Big Show respects your legacy, respects that you're a legend. He's always been a fan. He, he likes you. He knows that you're a loving and caring grandma. And, you know, and, and there's another reason why I won't push the cancel button. It's like, she was heinous to these people. She has a loving and caring family. And, you know, to me, family is extremely important, and I value it. So then, Paul Heyman kind of turns this on its ass. Then says, yeah, the big show looks at you like you're a legend. But maybe he looks at you like you're Brock Lesnar. Oh, shit. Oh, no. No, 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 no. No, big show goozles. Fabulous Moolah. And then says, yeah, maybe he looks at you like you're Brock Lesnar and wants to chokeslam you through the mat. And then Brock Lesnar just stampedes to the ring here. He is back. Did he get a ticket or did he just sneak his way back into here? Because you got a ticket to a wrestling show. You can't go to the ringside. Security will stop you. And I'm not sure how many security guards can actually stop Brock Lesnar. But be that as it may, Brock Lesnar already comes back. And F5s the Big Show through the announce table to end this show. The Big Show, who is still suspended, and spoiler alert, next week is still suspended and is not involved in the number one contendership for the Undisputed Championship at Armageddon, but I'll get to that show next week. So thank you very much, folks, for listening. If you made it this far, congratulations. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Fretzelmania. That's F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania. Z, the proper way to pronounce it. Thank you very much, Will Tarashuk. You can also follow Wrestle Addict Radio at Addict underscore Wrestle on Twitter, Wrestle Addict Radio on Instagram. Check out our merch. Links are in the description below. I think we're still doing some holiday Black Friday kind of sales. So if you want to load up on a Fretzelmania t-shirt and a Wrestle Addict Radio sweatpants wearing your Kings of the Rings swimming trunks underneath and your Young Lions Perspective sports bra <laughs> underneath and then top it off with a brace for impact hoodie all that stuff will keep you nice and warm during these wintry winter months 
also listen to the rest of us on Wrestle Addict Radio, The Cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast, streaming every Wednesday night at about 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time is The Kings of the Rings Podcast on Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, you name it, it's there. Yes, yes, it is during Dynamite. You can put Dynamite on the TV, and if you have a phone or a laptop, put Kings of the Rings on. I was recently on said podcast, and it was a very fun time talking about uh, AEW Full Gear and previewing War Games. I think I got literally every prediction wrong, except for I did not predict Shotzi to beat Ronda freaking Rousey for the SmackDown Women's title. Everything else I think I got wrong, but it was still fun. It's always great to be on Kings of the Rings. I'd love to be on again. Ricky, if you're hearing this, hit me up the next time you guys have like a host issue or something like that. Uh, also, my good brother, Nate the F and Great for Brace for Impact, which I'm on this week's episode. Uh, speaking of, uh, Nate and I reviewed Bound for Glory 2006. That was an interesting show to say the least. So I suggest that you check that out. And although he is on a mental health break, he is on a hiatus. I got to give my love to good brother Zach from the young lions perspective. He has documented a bit of his journey with therapy and mental health on his personal podcast feed on his young lions perspective feed, not on the Russell attic radio one. So if you want to gain some insight on, on onto mental health, I highly Recommend checking out Zach's stuff. Zach, hope you're doing well, brother. Hope you're getting the help you need. Can't wait to have you when you're ready to go. So that has been it for this one, folks. Thanks again. Keep your stick on the ice. And we're on the road to Armageddon.